When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Golf Unfiltered Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. You've heard me talk about Cog Hill every single episode this season, and we will continue to do so because they are one of the premier golf destinations in the Chicagoland area. Featuring 72 holes of championship golf, including the world-famous Dubs Dread, Cog Hill has just upgraded their entire practice academy to include Top Tracer, two bars, a food truck, and a full family experience that anyone will enjoy. Go out to coghillgolf.com to learn more. We are also brought to you by our friends over at WorldwideGolfShops.com. If you're looking to upgrade your game this year, or if you're just trying to pick up some new pieces of golf apparel, or even some training aids to help you score better, WorldwideGolfShops.com has you covered. The best part about this website is they always offer incredible deals on some of the newest equipment, even just days after its release. Once again, it's WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, as always, here on the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. My name's Adam. You can follow me all over social media at Golf Unfiltered, and you can send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. As always, I hope everyone's been safe out there playing some of the best golf that you can. And I hope that these uh, episodes that we talk about, uh, Ben Hogan's Five Lessons, his world-famous, historically famous book that he wrote on the golf swing, uh, has helped you in any way. If this is the first time that you're listening to one of these Ben Hogan episodes, I just want to remind everyone that I am not a swing instructor. Uh, I am not a golf coach, but I am somebody who reads Ben Hogan's Five Lessons, The Modern Fundamentals of Golf, every single year and I've been playing the game for quite a while and I've taken a lot of uh, lessons myself on the teachings of Ben Hogan and various golf instructors out there throughout the United States pretty much base their their teaching theory on what Hogan says in this short thin little book and so today's uh, episode is actually going to focus on what is essentially the final lesson of uh, Ben Hogan in this book, and that is the downswing. Now, in the book itself, there is a fifth chapter that is the summary of everything else that he talked about in the previous pages. We won't be doing an episode on that. I would encourage you to go back and listen to these episodes entitled Rereading Ben Hogan to kind of get that full picture of my thoughts on the golf swing as Hogan describes in his book. Now, if you've never read Ben Hogan's Five Lessons... It is a collection of all of Hogan's thoughts on the golf swing in as concise a manner as he was able to do. What's interesting is on the back of the latest edition of this book, and I I don't even remember what edition this is, but on the back of it, it summarizes that Hogan believed that any golfer with average coordination can learn to break 80. That is a sentiment that he goes back to once or twice 
within the uh, beginnings of the book. And when you take, you know, you take a step away from reading the material and you think about what the gravity of what that means and think about your own game. Now, I don't know what type of golfer you are. I know there are many different types of people that listen to this podcast. And this threshold of breaking 80 is something that everyone wants to achieve at some point, I would hope. You know, I do not regularly break 80 with my own golf game, and I've been playing for well over 27 years. And it's an interesting sentiment that the ability or the action to be able to score well and well enough to break 80 is something that can be learned, according to Hogan. And really, everything that we've talked about in these episodes leading up to this one, whether it be the setup, whether it be the grip, your posture, and of course the backswing, it all boils down to what's next. And that's the downswing. And this is where I believe, at least in my game, where the most improvement is needed constantly. Because that is the part of the swing, of course, that gets delivered to the golf ball. You're hitting the golf ball now. Everything that you have set yourself up to do equates to this moment, and it will define whether or not you can do what Hogan says anyone can learn to do, and that is to break 80. In this chapter, I'm just going to read directly from the book. Hogan starts with this. One of the greatest pleasures in golf. I can think of nothing that truly compares with it unless it is watching a well-played shot, streak for the flag, is the sensation a golfer experiences at the instant he contacts the ball flush and correctly. Those last two words are of particular note. Flush and correctly. So that insinuates that there is a correct and an incorrect way to hit the golf ball. And it also suggests that you can't hit the ball flush unless you do it correctly. So what does that even mean? Well, within the chapter, Hogan goes into much more detail about how to move your body, how to remain under that pane of glass visual that he introduced in the third lesson, which is the uh, the backswing. And he also talks about how, and this is a phrase that we've heard many times, any of us who have ever taken a golf lesson or watched on YouTube or anything, he talks about how the swing starts from the ground up. The lower body rotates. The upper body also rotates eventually in time, in its own time, and then eventually you deliver the club head to the golf ball. All of that is needed to be done, quote-unquote, correctly, in order to hit the ball flush. Now, far be it from me to argue with anything that Ben Hogan says in his book, but this is the first time that I almost disagree with that sentiment. Where, because I know in my game, and maybe in yours, I have done many things incorrectly in my downswing or in my golf swing in general and still hit the ball flush. You can do that at any point in a round or maybe even a practice session where you can do everything wrong and still somehow catch it just perfectly so that the shot does what you want it to do. What Hogan, I believe is trying to say is there are many ways that you can swing a golf club, but it's to do so in a consistent manner so that you can also achieve consistent results. 
And what Hogan illustrates then in this chapter is his impression as to how you can do that. And it's really not that difficult, at least the way that he describes it, the movements that you have to do in your body to do that and to make it consistent. But it's the interpretation and the practice and the ability to kind of look outside of yourself, almost looking at yourself from the outside, rather, where you can visualize, oh, I'm doing these things correctly. Now, in his book, when Hogan describes uh, himself, when he's instructing a player or when he's evaluating a player's talent, he actually explains this visual where he is looking at a player and he stands many yards behind him and he is holding his hand up as if imitating the pane of glass visual that he explained to see if the player's club head will remain under his arm. So Hogan was very judgmental in a way when he looked at a player and this is how he said he knew whether or not a player understood how to do this again correctly. Now, to think about if you've ever taken a lesson, think about what the coach or the instructor did during that lesson. More often than not, they stand a few yards away from you. They're looking at you swing, of, co- of course, and they're usually just evaluating, looking at what you do. And I'd wager that it's very similar to what Hogan is describing, or at least described in his book. And so... This is why I believe that the downswing is not only the most difficult part of the entire golf swing, but it's also the most judgmental in a way. You know, as a player that uh, I don't know if I would classify myself as a perfectionist in, in what I'm trying to do or someone that needs to be mechanically perfect, but I do find myself doing a lot of mirror work. I've got a mirror down in my basement here where I will check my backswing or even when I go out to the driving range, for example, I'll see if I can catch my reflection in a in a window or something where I'm like, all right, are my hands where they need to be? Are they too high? Are they too low? You know, so I, I do find myself constantly doing that. And it's usually in the context of checking my backswing. The thought or the visual of what your hands and arms need to do in the downswing is something that admittedly I I overlook very often. And I ask, if you're listening to this, think about it yourself. Have you ever really paid attention to what your arms are doing and their position in the downswing? Some of you might be saying, yes, of course I do. But then others might be like, eh, I don't know. You may want to pause this podcast now and look in a mirror. You know, I know I've got here in my office, I've got another mirror where I can just pick up a golf club and check that. Give it a shot. And while you're doing that, I'm going to professionally segue into the middle of this episode where I want to tell you again about my friends over at Gooder Sunglasses. If you've not heard of them, you need to go check them out. It's G-O-O-D-R dot com. They're very inexpensive sunglasses. I think they're like 25 bucks. I think they go up to 35 for different styles. But I need to wear sunglasses pretty much anytime I play golf. It's it's hard for me to see out in the sunlight. I don't know why, but it's just something I've always struggled with and I want to have sunglasses on my face that fit well, are going to stay on my nose and not fly off during a golf swing, but they also need to look great. 
and all of Gooder's styles look fantastic. I am a, I, I prefer the OG, you know, aviator type looking sunglasses, uh, but there are many other styles there for both men and women and, and anyone else who wants to buy sunglasses. Go out there, go out to goodr.com slash no filter. You can go in there and get a quick discount on your next order. Or you can simply just go to gooder.com and use promo code no filter during checkout. Take a few bucks off already. Very inexpensive sunglasses. You're going to love them. Trust me on this. I own like 10 pair by, by, by now. So trust me, I use them all the time. And I'm so happy to have partnered with them to uh, get you this discount. Go take advantage of it. No filter is the promo code. All right, back to the golf swing here. So I mentioned earlier one of the uh, most famous uh, teachings that Hogan did was this uh, idea that the swing starts from the ground up. And so he goes into much detail in this in this uh, chapter talking about how your hips basically start the entire downswing. He suggested that your hips rotate towards the target your arms, shoulders, everything else kind of follows suit. They're not actually doing anything separate in the upper half of your body when the hips rotate. In fact, you might remember a very famous video of Hogan explaining this concept where he kind of goes back and forth by rotating his hips, and you can see that his hands and his arms drop naturally. They do it almost on their own. He is not forcing them down. And this is the concept that I believe gets overlooked way too much, at least in my golf game, but also in the teachings uh, that people choose to focus on. You know, more often than not, go back to what we said before, people are checking their backswing to make sure they're in the right position, but are they checking to make sure their arms and hands are dropping naturally in relation to their hip rotation? This is also where Hogan suggests that there is a second plane for your downswing. So the backswing, there's one plane that you want to take your club back on. It's a little bit more steep than what he suggests you should follow on the downswing. He also suggests that that plane almost rotates a little bit. And think of this visually in your mind as you're listening. That plane rotates to the right a little bit for a right-handed player so that the club head gets delivered out to the right side of the target. So what does that mean? And this is where I get so mixed up when I'm thinking of the downswing. You have to almost position your body in the backswing with enough rotation to visually shift that plane a little bit more to the right. Now, I know this might be tough to visualize uh, in audio format, but if you're looking down at the golf ball at a dress and you take the golf club back and you're rotating your shoulders so that for a right-handed player, your left shoulder is almost pointing at the golf ball when you're fully rotated, the downswing per Hogan means that your club head, as you come towards the golf ball, is actually being pushed out to the right side of your field of vision. To use another visualization that I've often used myself and then for others who I talk to about the golf swing, you almost want to try to hit the golf ball out to right field if you've played baseball or softball. And you can picture that. You're getting a low pitch and you want to push that golf ball or the baseball slash softball out to right field. Or even better, over the second baseman's head. Think about that. 
that is the different plane that Hogan is describing in his book. And that is a part of the golf swing that gets very overlooked and disagreed with, mind you, by many people. Why do people disagree with it? Well, that is essentially promoting an inside-to-out swing plane, which will put draw spin on a golf ball. That's important to know because I would wager 90% of golfers who struggle with a missed shot, they usually slice the ball. Better players typically have a, you know, a hook that they have to battle. But to make an improvement on your ball flight, more often than not, you're trying to fight a slice. That's what golf instructors are faced with most often. To promote that inside-to-out swing... And to promote that side spin, draw spin, you're going to improve this person's shot shape. More often than not, that's the case. And Hogan knew that. Again, he was an instructor for many, many years. He knew that that's what people most often struggled with. Now, where things start to get a little out of control for some people, i.e. myself, (laughs) is... That swing plane, if you, if you were to try to swing and have that be your, your body motion thought, that i got to push my hands out to try to hit that ball to the right side of the golf course, your hands are getting away from you. And we all know that when your hands get away from your body, bad things can happen. The dreaded shank, for example. And that's something that I struggle a lot with, particularly with my wedges the shorter clubs in my golf bag. And it's something that I constantly have to battle against so that when I'm hitting it off the heel and then maybe even off the hosel sometimes, I know that my hands are getting too far away from me. And so it's almost like this counterintuitive, I am arguing with my own body. I know what I quote-unquote should be doing in my downswing, but sometimes I can overdo it and it leads to other bad things. One of those bad things that it leads to is overcompensation, or overcorrection. What that means is then all of a sudden I'm starting to cut across the golf ball in an effort to kind of get my hands back in the right position, or at least closer to my body. So this means now that I'm no longer hitting that baseball over the second baseman's head, but I'm hitting it over third base. And then I start to see the opposite spin on my golf ball where I start to fade it. So it's this is why everything is so delicate in this particular part of the golf swing. And one thing that when I go out to the range, I try to focus on the most. I might take little half swings to make sure that I find that flush feeling that Hogan talks about. I don't care if I hit the ball 100 yards with a 7-iron. I'm just trying to find that bottom of my swing arc and and the club face. And then I can see the golf ball perform in a way that I, I need it to perform. And when I'm hitting my best, when I'm not getting my hands rotating too much or whatever, it almost feels like I'm hitting the golf ball with my, my chest, my shoulders. I don't feel anything in my hands. And the golf, the golf ball itself, the shot shape, will push out to the right to start. And then it's this very subtle, just little baby draw, kind of comes back towards the center line. 
it's almost on automatic if I'm doing it well and I can repeat it at the range. Whereas when I'm swinging my worst, I mean, I don't know where that golf ball's going sometimes. And the, the shot shape becomes more pronounced. There's too much spin, whether it be because the club head is closed at a dress or open or whatever. So the reason I talk about that is you can self-diagnose your golf swing, much like, as I mentioned earlier, looking at yourself from afar, the same visual that Hogan said he did with his students. Look what your golf ball is doing. Understand why it's doing that based on everything that we've talked about or things that you could research on your own. It's all cause and effect. What your golf ball is doing is really the symptom of something else that your body promoted. Think about that. What that golf ball does is the result or the symptom of what you did with your body. All right, you still with me? I know this is kind of like this is very heavy visual stuff. And uh, once again, as I've said in past episodes, I believe the best, uh, one of the best YouTube channels that you could go to to really see these things that I'm talking about is my swing evolution. Uh, it's Cristo Garcia. He emulates his entire golf game after Ben Hogan. He actually played Ben Hogan in a golf channel uh, special about Hogan. Uh, go out to my swing evolution on YouTube. He has a lot of great videos on there. And there are, of course, uh, and many of you have emailed me about uh, other instructors that uh, preach Hogan's teachings, and they do great work on YouTube as well. So you could probably actually just go out to YouTube and, and uh, search for Ben Hogan's swing, and you'll see a lot of options to choose from. So at the end of uh, Hogan's fourth chapter, or his fourth lesson, um, he talks a lot about what the hands are doing in the downswing. He does give us permission to rotate through the golf ball, to kind of roll your wrists over eventually. But it's only after your your larger muscles, your chest, your shoulders, your, your torso, and your, your hips, of course, have gotten into a position that can allow you to deliver that energy to the golf ball. But for me, it's those two things that we've talked about already. It's uh, the hips starting everything from the ground up, of course, but also and following the hips, it's that second plane, getting your hands to move away from your body in a way that allows you to deliver the club head into a, a draw spin pocket almost. But it's, it's finicky. It's, there's a fine balance there where you can do it too much or not enough. And once again, you just have to see what your golf ball is doing. So, as a final thought on Ben Hogan's five lessons, we've talked about a lot of things in these episodes. I've appreciated the feedback that some of you have sent me about it. Um, I was a little iffy on if I was going to do this um, because, again, this is very visual. Um, and so I hope that I have uh, helped clarify a few things, at least from my point of view. Again, not a swing instructor, but someone who definitely prescribes to Hogan's golf swing philosophies. Um, I believe that there are many things that you can learn from reading this short book uh, and make it your own. You don't have to follow it to the, you know, to the T here. There's a lot of things that I 
don't do that Hogan suggests. And let's not forget that Hogan was probably one of the most talented golfers to ever do it in every sense of the word. You know, certainly his his playing career speaks for itself, but he was a ball striker that we don't we haven't really seen ball strikers like Hogan since Hogan. I mean, certainly Tiger, certainly others that we could point to uh, who have borrowed things from Hogan. But uh, this is a guy that went through a a major body change after a horrific accident and was able to still move his body in such a way to eliminate the mistakes that he knew were always there, that he could play around the golf, and he knew that these this dreaded hook that, that Hogan battled could pop up out of nowhere suddenly. But he self-diagnosed his swing, what was happening to his golf ball, and he essentially eliminated one side of the golf course by moving his body in certain ways that he describes in his book. You might have to do something similar, hopefully not the accident part, for crying out loud, but um, you might have to actually read his book and then say, okay, I know where my big miss is. I know when I'm playing my best, there's this thing that's lurking that might pop up, whether it be in your short game, your putting, your driver, or whatever. The point being, Ben Hogan's Five Lessons is the foundation on which you can build your own swing thoughts to deliver the results that you need. You don't have to follow Ben Hogan, you know, to the T, as I mentioned, but you can think like him and build on the thoughts that he provides in his book to make your golf swing truly unique to you. And that's really the whole point. If you can get it done, get it done however way you can. The last thing I'll say uh, before we uh, wrap things up here, go out to, uh, if you if you use TikTok, um, I know you've heard me talk about this before, uh, I'm putting videos out again on TikTok, and a lot of it is just talking about the way that I think about the golf swing. And there are some other goofy things on there too, but um, one of the things that I mentioned earlier, and I've gotten a lot of feedback on, is golf is not a sport that you go and try to hit your maximum distance with every club. It's not that. It's going out and hitting golf clubs distances and understanding if you can use any club to hit any distance and why you would want to do that. I may do an entire episode on this, uh, and maybe I can get another instructor on to talk through this a little bit better. But if you've got a 150-yard shot, you are probably thinking of a club in your mind right now that its max distance is 150 yards. I would challenge you to not hit that club. Club up one. So let's say, for example, for me, 150 yards is usually my 8-iron. If I hit it perfectly, I'm just going to grab a 7-iron and maybe take a half swing or something that feels like a half swing. And I can know I could still hit it 150 yards. That is the art in golf. So the next time you go out to a driving range, and I will do an episode on this, try to hit all of your clubs 150 yards and understand 
kind of like what Hogan was talking about in his book, that you have to move your body a little bit differently in order to achieve that goal. But you'll understand that multiple tools could be used to help accomplish the same thing. That truly just opens up your golf bag and your arsenal and your shot inventory, I guess, like it's never been opened before. So keep that in mind. I just want to leave you with that thought. Uh, I talk about all that stuff on TikTok. TikTok? <laughs> TikTok. Uh, so go out there and, and uh, take a look at it if you're so inclined, and maybe give me a follow. All right, folks, that's enough babbling for me. Thank you so much if you've enjoyed these episodes on my rereading Ben Hogan's Five Lessons. Uh, keep sending in the feedback. I really like it. Adam at golfunfiltered.com. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know what you want to hear. Uh, and you can also find me all over social media, including TikTok, not TikTok, <laughs> at golfunfiltered. Uh, be kind to one another out there. Uh, continue to play some great golf. we got some great uh, months ahead of us, weather-wise here in the Chicagoland area at least. And wherever you're playing golf, I hope it's the best you've ever played. Take care. <laughs>